Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to study today the final words of Matthew. In Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, essentially what we're going to be talking about today is the Great Commission. Jesus' marching orders for the church, and that includes evangelism. That's a big part of what Jesus is calling us to do at the very end of this gospel. And I think conversations about evangelism get two-dimensional really quickly, and they go something like this. You, you and I, we know the gospel. Other people don't know the gospel. We should share the gospel, and shame on us if we don't. That's, that's more or less how these conversations go, because we understand that all of us are, are called to be doing something like this. Well, statistically, most Christians do not share the gospel. That's, that's statistically what happens. Most of us in this room, we do not actively share the gospel, and there's only two ways we can deal with that as a believer. First of all, we can explain it away. We can say something like, you know, that's not my spiritual gift, or I'm still waiting for the perfect opportunity. We can explain it away. The second way we deal with it is we just kind of carry this low-grade guilt with us. You know, we kind of vaguely know that we're not doing what we should be doing. Anytime we hear a sermon on evangelism, it, it, it peaks in our lives, that guilt. But other times, it's just this low-grade guilt where we don't know what we're doing. And I think those two come from this tendency for us as Christians to take some of the fruits of the Spirit and the spiritual disciplines that Jesus calls us to and, and make them essentially chores in the Christian life. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm supposed to be about. This is, this is something I need to succeed in, and this is something I can track when I'm failing in it. And, and we do this while Scripture all the while is trying to get these things away from that mentality and into a dynamic story. Let me illustrate what I'm saying. Uh, daily devotions are a perfect example of this. All of us have struggled with daily devotions, opening our Bible and reading it, having a quiet time, and we essentially isolate this as a spiritual discipline that we should succeed in and oftentimes feel like we're failing in it, right? And so some of us even make a chart for our devotions. There's nothing wrong with that. You can buy a Bible with a chart in it that looks almost identical to the chore chart that we give our kids, you know, that you should be washing the dishes and cleaning up afterwards. We have that in our Bible to track, am I reading the Bible or not? But when you open the Bible, that's not the way the Bible talks about reading the Bible, right? You open up a passage like John 10, and this is what you hear. I am being inundated with voices that aren't Jesus's. I hear the stranger's voice, I hear the robber's voice, I hear the thief's voice all day long. It is so hard to recognize the shepherd when he speaks to me. I am desperate to know the shepherd's voice. Isn't that a dynamic way of thinking about our Bibles? The psalmist, he says, you know what, when I go to work in the morning, it's like everything is pitch black. I cannot see a thing. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I should be doing in my workplace, in my family life, for my hobbies or interests. I don't know how to spend my money. I don't know how to interact with people. It feels pitch black, and I need, I am desperate for a lamp that will shine to my feet that can guide me in what I do. Do you see the difference between those two? One, one is essentially doing a spiritual chore chart, a discipline, and the other is a dynamic story that places us in God's story of what he's doing and what he desires to do in us. I hope today and next week, as we open up the Great Commission in Matthew, that we will wrestle this spiritual discipline of evangelism off the chart, off the back of our Bible, 
and into this dynamic story of Jesus who has been made king of a kingdom and desires us to be ambassadors of that king. That's the story that God places us in when we talk about evangelism. And that's the story that I hope captures our imagination when we study this passage. Let me read for us Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Let's pray together. Jesus, this is going to take an act of your spirit to give us new eyes to see and a new heart to receive what it means to be an ambassador of you and what it means first and foremost to be a citizen who serves you in your kingdom. I know that you can do that. I know that you're eager to do that. And so we open ourselves for that this morning as we study your word together. Do this, we ask in your name. Amen. I don't know if you guys have seen the Dos Equis, uh, beer commercials. The, the world's most interesting man who does all this incredible stuff. He's won the Lifetime Achievement Award twice in his life. Um, and at the end of those commercials, after he does all this crazy stuff, he says, I don't always drink beer, but when I do, it's Dos Equis. Well, I feel like that guy this morning because I don't always use alliteration in my sermon points, but when I do... It just totally falls off the page. I mean, this is a perfect illustration of alliteration and sermon points. We got three points and three C's for you this morning. You are going to see a coronation, a commission, and a co-labor. You're going to see a coronation of sorts. You're going to see a commission, which is the great commission. And you are going to see a co-labor, the, the way and means in which we are going to do this thing with Jesus. And those are going to become apparent as we walk through this passage together. Let's start, start with the coronation. Last week, when we talked about the resurrection, we made much of the fact that Jesus prophesied that he would meet his disciples in Galilee. Remember, that's where they did their ministry, but then they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus prophesied, I'm going to meet with you guys again back in Galilee. Well, this is unfolding. Jesus is ending his ministry in Matthew where it began, on a mountain in Galilee. That's where he meets these guys. And there's a lot of debate about who's actually here. Matthew mentions 11 disciples, and that would be okay, but then in verse 17 it says that there are some who are here that doubt Jesus. And so some wonder, are there 11 that Matthew is focusing on, and then there's a broader group that's standing there? Um, I think one explanation could be there were truly just the 11 disciples here, and when some doubted, this was their knee-jerk reaction. Because remember, they are seeing someone who has risen from the dead, and dead people don't rise to life from the dead. And so there is this knee-jerk kind of of doubt in them to see who this is, but later that's kind of qualmed by Jesus. And so I think Matthew, who was there, is writing a very authentic account. He's saying, look, when we first saw Jesus approaching, we didn't know what to think. Some of us believed and worshipped, some of us doubted, but regardless of our ambiguity of the eleven, Jesus was crystal clear in verse 18 when he begins this commission. And this is what Jesus says to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Now, Jesus is reminding us that he is king for two very simple reasons. First of all, because we did not hear him the first 100 times he said this in the gospel, right? We need to hear this again. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. He's saying it again. But the second reason is Jesus is gaining a new authority and power. This passage is kind of a coronation of sorts because Jesus is gaining a new level of authority. Now, we know that Jesus always had authority in his ministry because he demonstrates that authority, right? He has the power to heal the sick. He has the power to restore the lame. He has the power to cast out demons. He has the power over the weather. He has the power to feed. He even has the power to raise people from the dead. But Jesus is saying, I have now received all authority in heaven and on earth. When Jesus was being interrogated on Thursday night of last week before Easter and before his trial and crucifixion, he was brought before Caiaphas the high priest and other accusers, and they were trying to match their accusation against Jesus, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't match what they were charging Jesus of until finally Caiaphas the high priest, he says, enough of this. He stands up and he says, Jesus, I want you to swear by the living God and tell us, Are you really the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Tell us that. And Jesus answers in Matthew 26, 64, what seems a little cryptic to us. You have said so, but I tell you from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Now, if I had been there, I would have said, so are you saying yes to that question? But, but Caiaphas, he knows his minor prophets way more than I do, and he knows exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus is alluding to Daniel chapter 7 when the Ancient of Days entrusts one like the Son of Man with an eternal kingdom, and Jesus is saying, that kingdom is mine, and I sit at the right hand of the Ancient of Days. And the moment Caiaphas heard that, he didn't say, what are you trying to say here? He tore his robe and said, that is blasphemy. You are making yourself out to be God. What more do we need to hear? We sentence you to death. Caiaphas knew exactly what Jesus was saying because Jesus is saying, read Daniel and you will see, I am one like the Son of Man. I come and the Ancient of Days gives me all authority and on heaven and on earth and I am coronated as king. Now remember when Satan was tempting Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry in Matthew chapter 4, he tried a bunch of different stuff in the wilderness, and the third and final attempt to trick Jesus and get him off the course of his ministry was to bring him up on a high mountain and show him all the kingdoms of the earth and say, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'm going to give you all these kingdoms. You're going to have them, and you don't have to suffer to get them. Well, Jesus resists the temptation. He says, instead of taking that road, I am going to take the road of suffering that leads to glory. And he is crucified. But when he rises from the dead, he gains more than Satan could have ever offered him. Satan offered him all the kingdoms. Jesus now has all authority on heaven and on earth. He is going to gain for himself, he says, disciples from all nations. He will be present always and even to the end of the ages and beyond. All authority, all heaven and earth, all nations, always. What are we missing? What place or sphere or time or location is not touched by the kingship of Jesus? Jesus has all authority. He's the king. 
Now, you try to step outside of that story, and, and you try to have a discussion about evangelism, isolated from what Jesus is doing in the world and in his kingdom, without tapping into the fact that that's who he says he is, and you and I are going to fall into all kinds of pitfalls. One of those, very simply, is overestimating our role in evangelism. We do that quickly when we divorce ourselves from a king with all authority and power. We begin to think of ourselves as more important than we really are. If I don't, it won't mentality. That Christianity is like this commission-based thing where we need to have some results to show for ourselves. And wherever in our Christian life that we overestimate ourselves, the fear of failure becomes debilitating. If I think this rests on me and I fail in this, that is a debilitating fear. What if I look stupid? What if I don't know all the answers? What if I say something wrong? What if I go to pray the sinner's prayer and I don't get it right? What if I don't carry this load that Jesus has given me? If we overestimate ourselves, we are going to be terrified of this kind of failure. Friend, you and I, we are not entrepreneurs. We are not commissioned-based workers in the kingdom. We are ambassadors. There is a king who has all authority on heaven and on earth, who does call us to all peoples and is with us to the very end of the age. And it's he that we represent in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in where we go to share the gospel. You cannot break evangelism out of that dynamic story because when you or your fear of failure becomes the biggest thing on your horizon, you and I need to get a new horizon, one that fits what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 28. So Jesus is coronated king, and now he gives us a commission. He's fully crowned, and these are the marching orders he gives us as his citizens of his kingdom. Starting in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now I hope, as I read that, you recognize the similarities between that and the covenant you just signed as members of Columbia Presbyterian Church. There's no novelty in what we're doing here. We basically ripped it off of the Great Commission. You guys just signed a document that said, I covenant with Columbia Presbyterian Church to join with others as a gospel community sharing the kingdom together. This means I will strive to participate engage and serve in environments that promote becoming a disciple making disciple in a church planting church you see those two things going hand in hand this is the call of jesus to see his kingdom grow to see his ambassadors multiply and do the work that he's calling us to do now i've shared this statistic with us before but it's hard to believe so it's worth sharing again and again and again do you know that in every county in South Carolina, this is the Bible Belt, we are the buckle of the Bible Belt, every county in South Carolina every year decreases in the percentage of people that worship Jesus. Richland County, Lexington County, Charleston, wherever you go, every county every year decreases in the percentage of people that worship Jesus. That, that is the statistical truth. We so often ask the question, do we really need to be evangelizing and planting new churches in the Bible Belt, in a place like Columbia and around Columbia and in this great state? But the question for the disciples should be, why are we not doing this more? 
Why are we not more engaged in evangelism? Why are we not more engaged in church planting to see people worshiping Jesus where they are not now worshiping Jesus? That is our desire because we serve a king with that desire. When we covenant to join Columbia Presbyterian Church, we're basically saying we're ready to step into that mission as a fellow believer. We're ready to be one small expression of Jesus' commission. He's doing this with the church Big C, and we're going to do this as the church Little C by placing a stake on the state house and saying this five-mile radius is what we believe God has given us to reach with the gospel. You might not feel like the world's greatest evangelist. In fact, you might be able to point to some very embarrassing stories about trying to do evangelism. I know I can do the same thing. I spilled my drink on somebody that I was trying to evangelize. I was so nervous when I first became a Christian. We we all have that kind of embarrassment and anxiety when it comes to this great thing called evangelism. But what we are saying is we are going to link arms and do this together. We're going to join side by side and do this because these are the marching orders of the king that he wants us to fan out over the globe and see Jesus high and lifted up in places where people do not know and do not worship Jesus. That's our call. We're going to have to wait till next week to study the substance of this. Jesus is saying, I want you to make disciples, and I want you to do that by going, by baptizing, and teaching. And we're going to talk about that next week. But this week, I've got some great news and some bad news for members of Columbia Presbyterian Church. The first is is the good news, the great news. If you have joined Columbia Presbyterian Church today, I want your family to have a copy of this book on evangelism. Evangelism, How the Whole Church Speaks of Jesus by Max Stiles. This is a fantastic book. It's going to be waiting out there for you. If you have joined the church today, I want you to grab a free book. And here's the bad news. If you are a member of Columbia Presbyterian Church, you now have homework to read the free book because I want you to take this and not just leave it on your coffee table. I want you to open it and read it and underline it and put questions in the margin and talk about it with your spouse and your kids and your friends and wrestle with what we are saying here when we say building a church culture of evangelism. There's a lot of great books about evangelism that are out there. What I love about this book particularly is it's talking about the community. It's remembering that this is happening inside a dynamic story that you are not a free agent out there doing your own thing. We're doing this together. And so the question we are now asking ourselves is, how do we do this as a body? How do we create a place that is safe and energizing and passionate about sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. How do we do that together? Friend, I tell you that I do not know the answer for that. I know the statistics that we don't do that. I know, I know the patronizing remarks of new church plants. Yeah, yeah, you do that in the first couple of years, and then you get on with business as usual. How do we stay razor sharp as a great commission church? I do not know the answer for that. But as we disseminate these books and read them and pray together and talk together, we place ourselves back in this dynamic story. Not the story of how this church gets up and running and financially self-supporting, but this dynamic story over here of Jesus as king of a kingdom and sending us out as ambassadors. How do we do that together? That's our question that we're going to be asking ourselves over the next couple of weeks. One of my favorite pictures on Instagram right now is um, taken by Anna Pauling, our very own. And it's a picture of her son and Kenny and Sherry's son, and they're out playing together. Both are four-year-old boys. And the caption reads, Hey, Sully, give me a boost. 
And basically, Owen is trying to climb a tree, and he's on a branch that's about two feet off the ground. I mean, he's, he's get, gotten nowhere fast. But he's hanging onto that thing, and he's got his feet on the stump. And Sully, who's supposed to be giving him a boost, is like leaned completely over, pushing him. But rather than really giving him a boost, he's just kind of got the back of his shirt and pushed it up his back and over his head <laughs> so that Owen is just kind of hanging there helpless. And I just love that image. I want that to be the image of evangelism at CPC. <laughs> This is an awkward, difficult thing. This is a thing without clear-cut edges. This is a thing that's hard to calculate in a place that we are not putting programs over people. This is a difficult thing for us to do and know how to help each other do it well. I love that picture because that's the grace of God saying, you know what? I invite you into this journey together. I want you to grab the back of somebody's shirt and pull it up over their head, and let's just figure this out together. Let's just do this together. Let's make mistakes together, because this is a place that you can do that. That's what I want this clarion call to be for the church. And next week, we're going to talk specifically about what this looks like, this great commission that Jesus has given us. But finally, we end with a co-labor in verse 20. Jesus, he's got all authority. He's commissioned us towards the earth. And now he stipulates the terms of our working relationship with him. Look at verse 20. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, we can read that as comforting words in general, that Jesus, no matter where we go or what we do or who we're talking to, he's with us. And that's 100% theologically true. Jesus abides in us. He's with us. But the reason he's saying this right now is a razor-sharp point that he wants to make, and that is this. I am sending you out as ambassadors. You are leaving from here to go and do this great work that I have called you to. And to do that, you are going to need my authority and my presence, and I am going to join you in this work. Isn't that remarkable? Isn't that remarkable that Jesus doesn't say, Church, I want you to stay put. I do not want you out in the community spilling your drinks on people and trying to share the gospel. I want you to stay here. I'm going to bring people in the church. No, no, no. He invites us into this mission together to walk outside with him where we live, work, and play and to be part of this great commission together. I am going to be with you. That means when you hear this commission, it's been bookended by two things. Jesus is omnipotence and his omnipresence. Jesus has all authority and he's ever present with us wherever we go. There is not a place you can go, a conversation you can have, a hobby you can pick up, a water cooler you can find yourself at, a bar you're ordering a drink, a Starbucks who's making your coffee, where Jesus is not there in his full presence with all authority telling you to be his ambassador. Doesn't that change the dynamic of everything? Rip out the spiritual chore chart and get rid of that thing. We are not talking about you as an isolated individual having something to show for yourself. We're talking about us as a community marching out of this place as ambassadors with Jesus and all of his authority to see what he is going to do in this place. You know, it's powerful. At the very beginning of our series on the Gospels, we heard John the Baptist give us a nugget of theological truth that is so profound, I think all of us missed it, myself included. John the Baptist said something amazing. There was an earnest group of questioners that, that were trying to find out who he was and what he was doing, and they were saying, tell us plainly who you are. And John the Baptist says, I am not the Christ. You know what's so goofy about our Christian lives? 
we are going to spend an embarrassing amount of time learning that truth. I'm not Jesus, and you're not Jesus. And we're going to spend too little time understanding the truth that Jesus is Jesus. That's the dynamic we're walking into right now as we engage in this. We are being placed in a story in which Jesus is king with all authority and all presence, and we are his ambassadors. You are not the Christ. I am not the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. He goes before us and behind us, and he calls us to this great mission. The quicker we understand that, the quicker we get on our knees before this kind of king, the quicker we begin to reach this five-mile radius that Jesus has given us. Let's pray together. Father, I plead with you that you will bring these truths to bear in our hearts. You know that left to ourselves, we do think that we're the Christ. Or then we go to the other extreme and we think that we're nothing. And meanwhile, you call us your ambassadors. We're your children. You have raised us up and called us to this mission. And I pray when we go out from here, we would know that you alone have all authority on heaven and earth. You alone follow us always and everywhere and even to the end of the age. And in that power, we would do this great calling that you call us to. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen.